0: Isn't it great to have Amanda home? Yay. She's of course getting her physician's assistance in what is it? It's sickness. <laughs> Pathology, right? Study of disease. Study of disease. I was right. It's in sickness. And so she's gonna be able to cure all of us when she gets finished with this comes home permanently, right? Pastor Colleen is here for children to go back and get your Bible boxes. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. One of the prophets. It's a little hard to find. You might want to look it up in the content section. But it's in the prophet section of the Old Testament. One of the great prophets of old. We're going to do some various verses in Ezekiel 34, so just find that and then we'll, we'll read it together in just a moment. Ezekiel is that prophet of the Old Testament who reminds us that in all of our lives we have moments where we feel abandoned by God. We feel lost, we feel alone. We intellectually know, of course, that there's still a God But in our very gut, at our our visceral feeling level, we feel abandoned, we feel in darkness, we feel lost. That sick feeling in the stomach, of course, is is impossible to overcome by just intellectual thought. It's something that has to be touched emotionally and and relationally and, and physically in order for us to find our way. Now that awareness that we can become lost is is perhaps the most common of all human experiences. We often don't stop to think about the truth that if we're lost that means that there's a place where we are found and that we belong somewhere and we belong to someone because that's what lostness means. And yet in the midst of that lostness we feel so overwhelmed by the experience itself uh, that we're not filled with thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Sunday and we are not filled with joy of the Lord in the presence of the the night of the soul. And in that moment, it's so overwhelming, and the visceral experience is so physical and spiritual and relational that even the word lost itself is, is inadequate to describe what it is that we feel. But lostness doesn't, of course, just happen to us. Sometimes this lostness occurs when there's someone that we love who is lost. I've told you the experience of losing our oldest son when he was five. And wow, that, that visceral experience. Many of you have had similar experiences of losing a loved one. But that nauseating, gut-wrenching feeling is aware that lostness is a real thing. And that there's real danger. And however our loved one is lost in that moment... We cry out to God. And we cry out to God even if we don't believe in God. We cry out because we recognize that there's got to be someone and that can come and save the lost and help us in that moment of deep need. Now that universal feeling is addressed today in this amazing statement by God through the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel's name means, May God strengthen. It's kind of a prayer. Or it's an affirmation, God will strengthen, depending on your perspective of the moment as you're experiencing life. As a priest, Ezekiel preached during the most tumultuous time in Israel's history, the day included. Inhabiting the land between the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Persians, the city of Jerusalem was battered time and again by forces that surrounded it, invaded it, and destroyed it. Ezekiel was 30 years old when he began his preaching career. He preached for 22 years. Seven of those years were before Jerusalem fell as he was prophesying that they need to change their lives or they're going to lose their freedom. Fifteen years are preached when he's in captivity in Babylon following the loss of the temple in the year 586 B.C. Those last 15 years under Nebuchadnezzar II and that Neo-Babylonian Empire, the cruelest empire of the ancient world, Ezekiel is attempting to bring God's hope into the lostness and the darkness. In exile, Ezekiel felt it, of course, very personally. His beloved wife dies. His beloved temple is completely destroyed. His city is ransacked. His nation is lost and now in occupation. He had preached, of course, this in the seven years, that these holy people of God were not worshiping in holiness and they were not living their lives in the holy ways of God, following the commandments of God. The nation as a whole was sinning against God in the way that it was making its decisions and living its corporate life. They had, in fact, he said, lost themselves, their nation, and their future because of their sin. But right in the middle of this prophecy of of great loss and lament, right in the middle of his gut-wrenching despair, Ezekiel receives a prophecy by God that although he feels abandoned and alone, God is with us. And though he feels forsaken, God has not forsaken him. And though he feels lost, he is, in fact, in the care of God. That God himself will come and find him and rescue him and heal him and and save him. That God himself will come and save the lost. So this Sunday is we're focusing on Christ the King Sunday. And we're focusing on missions and missions going into all the world and making disciples of all nations and finding those who have lost their way and have not been belonging to God. We come to this wonderful prophecy in the Old Testament. Long time before Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, God said through Ezekiel, I'm the shepherd who will watch over you and care for you. I will find the lost and bring them home. Now, he's done that for me. He's found me and brought me home. Many of you have experienced that. That's why you're here today. Some of you are seeking and being sought by Jesus. And the invitation is yours as well. So let's listen to what God says through the prophet Ezekiel. We're going to start with the 11th verse of the 34th uh, chapter. We'll read through. We'll skip some verses and uh, complete the prophecy. Ezekiel says, for this is what the Sovereign Lord, oh, God says through Ezekiel, for this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As the shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, and the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep. And have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost, and I will bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weakened. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And then moving on down to verse 20. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you shove with flank and shoulder butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now keep that open before you, and let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that in this uh, tumultuous life, in all of its ups and downs, that you have proclaimed 2,500, 2,600 years ago in this text that you will shepherd us. You will come for us. You will seek us and rescue and and heal us. That you will care for us in our despair. And I would ask that today, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, that we recognize that the holidays are the most despairing time for many people. And we would ask that you would allow your wonderful shepherding presence, that you yourself would come And be with us and to be with those who are lost and those in despair. Comfort those who mourn. We pray it in Jesus' name, the wondrous Savior and Shepherd of all. Amen. Ezekiel died in captivity. But before his death, Ezekiel is credited with planting synagogues throughout Babylon. Synagogue means a place of gathering. The people of God were gathered together as sheep are gathered into a fold to protect and to care for them and to be watched over. They gathered for prayer, for the study of Scripture. It was in these places, far from the Temple Mount, where the temple had now been destroyed, that God tended their souls and watched over their lives just as he does now in every sanctuary throughout the world. Now, as we read the text, I pointed out all the times that God says, I myself, I will tend, I will bring, I will rescue, I will search, I will judge. I myself and not another, as we say it in the Seder of Passover. Now, this promise and this reality is what we want to focus on for just a moment And I would encourage you to put it away in your soul for those dark moments when it's easy to feel that God has abandoned and that you are in despair. As you know, the word pastor means to shepherd, to watch over a flock. But those of us who pastor, and that includes all of us who watch over a family or a child or youth or to give counsel or instruction or Anyone. We recognize that as under-shepherds of the great shepherd, it is God himself who does his work through us to care for his people. When we tend the soul of another, we are under-shepherds of the great shepherd's love. We're his arms, we're his compassion, we're his care, we're the way that God works in very physical forms, as he works spiritually and profoundly, just as he does in the Holy Sacrament. There's a physical bread and a physical wine, but it's the spiritual reality of God's presence that is at work. That is true of all spiritual gifts, but as we think of the shepherd working through us, it's God himself doing that deep work. So what is it that God does through us and in us, in the synagogues, the sanctuaries? Of God's people. Well, I want to focus on just two. There's many here. I hope that you'll take the time to to just meditate on this this week as you are so thankful for God for what he's done. First, God says that he will search and rescue us so that he can look after us. And notice that he will do this when we have been scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Now, the assumption that's made in that is both directions. There will be days of clouds and darkness. These will cause us, oftentimes, to scatter from his presence. And God will need to search and rescue us from the places to which we've gone. Now, we could talk for hours about both of those realities, that there will be days of clouds and darkness. I would love uh, for there to be sunshine and only sunshine and sunshine some more, but that's not life. Clouds come, they block out the sun, and darkness envelops the soul. But with the clouds comes rain. Rain nourishes growth. It cleanses us, washes us, nourishes us. Clouds and darkness are a part of the spiritual journey. It's a part of the very nature of the life that we live. St. John of the Cross called them dark nights of the soul, nights of anguish with groans too deep for words. Moments when we feel that we are surely abandoned and we wonder if the darkness is going to go on forever. We lose our footing. We lose our way. We fall over cliffs we didn't even know were there. We cling to what we can with fingernails that often get ripped. It is in those places that God himself comes Often in ways that we don't at first recognize and often in ways that that we hide from and pull back from out of the pain that that we're feeling. But it is God himself who searches and rescues us from the dark cliffs to which we're clinging. Now I know that some of you are in those places now. Others of us have been in the past. All of us will be in the future. I've scaled the cliff with many of you. I've been there when I saw Jesus search for you and connect in a way that nourished you and and brought you peace. I've watched him rescue you and bring you home. I've been there myself in my own personal life. In those dark nights and I've experienced some of you reaching out in very personal ways as I've clung to the cliff in drenching rain. So the first promise that we get, and it's a promise that is all the way through Scripture, from the first garden where God Himself walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day to the very conclusion, as we'll talk about next Sunday, this amazing new heaven and new earth, where all tears are passed away, where God's dwelling is with us, to everywhere in between, God Himself will search and rescue for His lost lambs. And second, and again, many more things here. I hope you'll we'll take the time to to study it together. But second, God Himself will not only search and rescue the lost and bring back those who've wandered, but bind up the injured, strengthen the weak, hold accountable the sleek and the strong that have preyed on the flock. God himself will shepherd us with justice. Again, there there are two aspects of that promise to us, that any injuries we experience, either because we ourselves got lost and fell over the cliff, or being injured because the sleek and the strong took advantage of us, however the injury came, God will heal us. He'll bind us close to his heart. He'll he'll heal us, transfusing us with his blood so that we have his antibodies. The phrase that the translators use there to, to describe the sleek and the strong It's an interesting kind of cultural shift. We often see the sleek and strong with admiration in the world's culture. The actual words there, shaman, means to be fat, stout, robust, or rich. And shazak means to be strong in a severe way, sharp and hard and stubborn. We have a strength, not so much of muscle, but a strength of will, where we impose our will upon the weak where we control those who can be controlled. So what God himself will judge with justice is the fat, rich, sleek, severe, stubborn, hard-hearted who injure others by imposing their self-centered desires and designs upon them. To change the metaphor a little bit, which fits more our culture, people oftentimes admire the sharks. But God will judge the sharks whose smooth operating strength, sleek and strong, rip apart those who are weaker than them in order to get personal gain. Now what's interesting is that though we admire, God will judge that the end result of all of life will come to a final completion in which the shepherd will not allow any more budding of the sheep. Hurting of the sheep of God, where he will, in fact, bring all things to completion in a final reality. And it begins now. I've seen it over and over. The justice begins now. And it is true. So on this Thanksgiving mission Sunday, of course, we want to end by noting that God himself is seeking the lost. That's why our missionaries go on the mission of God. They're there because that's where the people are that God loves. And he told us to go into all places and bring those people to faith in him. Every nation, every tribe, every language is going to be brought home. And it occurs because of the mission of the church and the missionaries that God calls up out of every congregation that we might have life. But how he does that is through you and me most often. There are many, many instances where God directly does it, but most often, in most of life, God does it through human agents whom he's gifted to do spiritual work, the under-shepherds, And so we're the arms and hands and hearts of love. And so our greatest privilege is to see the lost and to love them as we are loved by God. So as we go to God in prayer, let's allow God himself to be with us. Jesus came, Emmanuel. We're going to celebrate that all through this wonderful Christmas time we're about to enter. And he came that he might be with us. Let's spend time with him.